Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, MS, these are all serious or fatal neurodegenerative diseases that lack effective treatments. I'm joined today by two executives who are developing promising, novel therapies in the field. Maria Machikini is founder and CEO of Anovis Bio, which is focused on improving axonal transport, while Robert Glantzman is chief medical officer of CLEAN, whose approach relies on nanotherapeutics. In this roundtable session, we discuss the particular challenges in developing CNS drugs, how Maria and Robert have steered their companies throughout the last two challenging years, and what they're hoping to achieve during the upcoming J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, virtual though it may be. The company's approaches, one drug increases energy and the other speed, could be synergistic. If that ends up being the case, remember, it all started here on the Health Biz Podcast. I'm your host, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. If your life sciences or healthcare company needs strategy consulting, you can reach me, dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com. And remember, please subscribe to the podcast wherever podcasts are found. I'm David Williams from the Health Biz Podcast, and I am joined today by two executives, and we're going to be talking about drug development in CNS. Uh, first of all, I want to say hello to Maria Makakini. She is CEO of Anovis, and also Bob Glansman, Chief Medical Officer at Clean. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You know, so we were thought this would be kind of novel. We do a, a virtual roundtable discussion in advance of an in-person JP Morgan conference. Now it looks like this is going to be as real as it gets. Maybe we should have done an in-person roundtable, and then we could do a do a virtual uh, JP Morgan, but this is this is where we are. But today we're going to talk about uh, advances in central nervous system research. Maria, why don't I start off with you? Um, tell me a, a little bit about Anovis, which you founded and 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 run. Um, you know, what's the background uh, of the company, and and where do things stand now? Okay, so Anovis really was founded to treat Alzheimer's disease with a drug that it, uh, did inhibit. A beta. If you think back 10, 11, 12 years, amyloid was the way to inhibit Alzheimer's disease. Now, in the meantime, I think that is probably a restricted way. And for some interesting reason, our drug changed with the times. As the times said that Alzheimer's was not just amyloid, our drug said, yes, I do inhibit other things. So it turns out that what we actually do we do improve axonal transport, which is the information highway of the nerve cell. So if a nerve cell fires faster, if a nerve cell perceives faster, and if a nerve cell sends signals faster, your brain will work faster, your limbs will work faster, everything will work faster. But what is interesting about making a nerve cell work healthier is that then because it's healthier, it doesn't die as fast because basically that's what neurodegeneration is. The nerve cells eventually die and the function is lost. So I'm happy to say that our drug works in most neurodegenerative disease animal models we tried and in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's in humans. Well, that sounds good. I know it takes a long time to, to get there. What's happened a little bit? You mentioned um, with, with Alzheimer's and the sort of the amyloid approach, which is now a bit out of out of fashion, how, how did it become so central and hang on for so long? Well, in 1906, there was this German doctor that had a 52-year-old patient 
who was demented. She was severely demented. And when he opened her brain, he saw plaque. So ever since, Alzheimer's means plaque. Now, a little later, they found tangles. And in the last few years, it was found that Alzheimer's really is a lot more than plaques and tangles. It's also alpha-synuclein, it's TDP43, it's vascular diseases, and then it could be anything else. And I think that maybe Bob is gonna talk about energy, which is 100% correct. If you don't have good energy, your cells get sick. So the fact, that's not that amyloid isn't toxic, amyloid is toxic, but it is not the only thing in the brain that is toxic, and therefore amyloid is a limited approach. So, Bob, I, I see most most uh, pharma biotech companies that I see, especially, are like Anovas in that they usually start with an A, and you can sort of see some connection there. What is what is clean, and why that spelling, and you know, what sort of what's the background of the company? So, clean is a very different company. Um, the C L E N E is the, actually the Anglo-Saxon spelling before the French invaded uh, the UK, so it's actually the uh, old spelling of clean of the word clean. Got it. And clean. And it has a lot of meanings for this company because what we what we manufacture, which is really a breakthrough, are clean surfaced nanocrystals of transition metals. And when we say clean surface, we mean that there's nothing, they sit organized in highly pure water, what we call pharmaceutical grade water, which is just water, nothing else. Um, and uh, they self-organize atom by atom and remain stable in suspension in water uh, for years. So that's the breakthrough of clean. Now you say, well, okay, that's nice, but what does that do? So it turns out that if you actually make nanocrystals like this, they become catalytically active. And when we talk about cat catalysis, we're talking about the donation and reception of electrons. So they become a little electron banks, essentially, uh, especially gold, which is a very interesting atom in and of itself. Um, our lead asset is CNMAU8. Uh, as you can imagine, CNM, clean nanomedicine. AU is the symbol for gold, and 8 is the eighth iteration of these uh, nanocrystals. So that is our lead asset, and we're testing it in multiple models of uh, nerve generation. and uh, I actually uh, took a little review of Maria's website. I think what they're doing is really interesting. I think uh, I agree, we agree with her totally that axonal transport is critical to the health of, of neurons. And we also agree with her that energy production is critical. So the breakthrough of clean is that um, what we've been able to show in multiple preclinical models, in fact, every single preclinical model, including amyloid beta uh, um, toxicity, is that we allow neurons and glial cells, especially the dendrocytes, to manufacture energy. We say energy, we mean ATP, adenosine triphosphate, which is the essentially the monetary exchange of energy within cells. We allow cells to make energy in the setting of stress. That is the breakthrough clean, and that really drives almost all the beneficial effects that we see. So I think you know it's very exciting and interesting to hear what you're describing. And I would say that um, pretty much anybody listening in, whether or not they're in the field or, or an investor or not, you know, is interested in novel approaches and drugs that are going to come along for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, MS. I mean, these are these are major things. We're not talking about, uh, you know, a, a small incremental change in how toenail fungus is uh, is dealt with, for example. I mean, what's the what's the opportunity to actually go from where you are now to have products like this in the in the in the market? I mean, there are a uh, lot of people that have tried different approaches, things that seem promising. I mean, how do you get from here to there? I'll put that to both of you. Well, I think we probably do it the same way. Um, we have finished two phase two studies, one in Alzheimer's, one in Parkinson's. In both cases, we have really excellent data. We show improvement in cognition by two tests, and we show improvement in movement by two different tests. 
So the fact that we have that in both diseases by two totally different tests makes me feel very, very comfortable that the stuff works. And that means that right now we have petitioned the FDA for a Parkinson's meeting to move into phase three. We are getting ready, we haven't done it yet, to petition the FDA for a meeting for a phase three in Alzheimer's disease. Once the FDA approves that, then we go ahead and do phase threes. I mean, it's kind of simple. You need the money, you need the people, you need the expertise, but the pathway per se is not difficult if you have a drug that works or that you believe it works. Now, is that the case, Bob, 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 before I let you answer? So I know on cognition, you know, you mentioned two different tests, but I understand sometimes cognition can be hard to, to measure. We have tests now that could measure well enough cognition to determine um, across patients what's actually working or not? Well, Dave, if your drug doesn't work, you're going to blame the test. Our drug works in the very old-fashioned, most established test that has been around for 25 years. So I'm not going to blame a test that works, right? I would blame it if it didn't work. That's a, that's a, that's a reasonable answer. Bob, Bob what do you that's say? a great response. Nobody can argue with that. So, you know, drug development, so drug development in neuroscience is challenging, okay, in general. And in fact, there's a reason why Pfizer doesn't have a neuroscience drug development division anymore. And, and AstraZeneca dumped theirs and then they bought, um, you know, that company from Boston. So um, there's a reason why big pharma is out of drug development in neuroscience. It's difficult. And the reason it's difficult is because number one, the endpoints are squishy. They're all based on rating scales. You know, you don't have death as an endpoint the way you do in oncology in general, although ALS is a bit different. Um, so, and the other problem is that placebo works. So placebo is effective in almost every neurodegenerative disease you want to talk about. It makes a drug development uh, difficult. So basically drug development takes, number one, a drug that works, as Maria so eloquently said. Number two, it takes time. And number three, it takes money. Uh, and so you have to have all three of those things in order to really move forward. So here we are clean or quite uh, encouraged. We already have phase two data in ALS, which shows really uh, remarkable clinical benefits. And, and, and we also have proof of, we have target engagement data, both in Parkinson's disease and patients with MS, it shows that CNMA rate does indeed do what we say it does in terms of um, increasing brain energetics, uh, both, uh, uh, both energy production and utilization, importantly, uh, in the brains of patients with MS and, uh, and Parkinson's disease. So again, we're very encouraged as well. Uh, we're gonna move forward with a, with a phase two study in Parkinson's disease soon. Uh, and we'll also be studying progressive MS at some point in the future. Yeah, there have been a lot of things that have happened with uh, drug trials. That are, some are a little further along, some at, at the same phase uh, where both of your companies are uh, during the past two years. Are the things that you're doing differently as a result of the pandemic, anything that is either harder or, in fact, easier about doing trials, uh, given where we stand today in start of 2022, as opposed to, let's say, early 2020? Oh, well, so I'll say this. MS drug development essentially has stopped because of the pandemic. So MS patients are generally immunomodulated or immunocompromised from their disease-modifying therapy. And so they are not gonna go into clinics and be assessed. So unless you have a remote, you know, a study that uses remote assessments uh, that can be done you know, in the patient's home, and that's difficult for the endpoint that we typically use in MS, something called the mod modified multiple sclerosis functional composite. So that consists of four subtests, all of which are generally done in the clinic. So MS drug development has been very difficult in the pandemic. In fact, for a while, we were the only company doing drug development in MS 
in the United States. And we've even had to, we're even going to, we're looking at, at the futility essentially of the study that we're doing right now. So we're looking into that. Um, ALS has not been impacted. So we are part of the Healy ALS platform trial. That trial enrolled early. Our, our ALS, small ALS study in Australia enrolled early. So um, it has not been impacted because of course ALS patients are on a very limited lifespan. And ALS, as people say, you know, time for ALS patients is very different than time for normal people. So that has not been impacted. Uh, I can't speak for Alzheimer's disease. Well, uh, this is really interesting because I talk about two phase two studies. We really had a third one ongoing that we started earlier, but it was the first one that we started a few years ago is academic, whereas the one that we did in the last one and a half years was really more was run by us and paid by us. And it was very interesting to see the differences. In all cases, we took spinal fluid. And the reason is in phase three, I wouldn't do that, but in phase two, we wanted to see how the biomarker all reacted. So we took spinal fluid and obviously you cannot take spinal fluid at home. You can't send an anesthesiologist and a neurosurgeon back to somebody's home. So it, it, in the beginning, it, we were really impacted. And it turns out that the academic groups, because they are in big teaching hospitals, they stopped, they totally stopped. They had they had viruses, they had people, they had, you know, they had the important stuff, not our, our study. So that study really almost stopped for two years. Whereas our study, we pivoted. We said, well, you know, the big centers don't want us because they're too busy with COVID. But the smaller clinical trial centers, they learned very fast that if they don't have patients, they don't make money. And so they were not treating COVID. So they became very efficient. We had COVID tested drivers. Everybody was COVID tested all the time. We had no COVID infections and we really helped people. We helped them from home to the site and back. And that worked beautifully for Parkinson's patients because they're usually a little younger and they're usually male. Alzheimer patients are usually a little older and they're usually females. That was a little hard. But we got the study done, and now the other study that slowly came on back on, not all the sites are back on, but some are back on, it's going to hobble around. For phase three, we do not see any such problem because we don't take spinal fluid. And a, a nurse can go to somebody's home and take blood, and we only take it every six months. So it's not that we are sitting on these people. And all they have to do is take a pill a day. So we feel that our phase three is gonna be a lot easier, pandemic or no pandemic. Maria, when you get through the phase three and think about the FDA evaluation of a drug for Alzheimer's, it's obviously been a high profile uh, approval on the Alzheimer's front that probably cost uh, what would have been the next FDA commissioner her job. So it certainly had an, an impact and certainly among patients who are waiting for the drug as well. How does, what do you, what do you take away from the, you know, the, the recent uh, approval and what it means for uh, other late phase Alzheimer's drugs, including your own? Well, first, I want to say the ones that mostly profit from it, it's going to be Lillian Roche and Nisai. They're going to come out with their API. They say our amyloid went down. We don't have efficacy, but who cares? Our amyloid went down and it probably maybe will get approved. Okay, I'm not 100% sure. I can't talk for the new commissioner. Yeah. I think for companies like Clean and Us, since we do not want to change how we measure cognition, we just want to measure cognition. Plus, 
they have some biomarkers, we have some biomarkers as exploratory or secondary endpoints. I think we shouldn't have any problem as long as, as, long as the drug works. I mean, the way we want to look at whether our drug works is way more stringent than what pharma does. To explain it and give you an example, the aducanumab or aduhelm drug from Biogen improves cognition 22% above placebo. That means that people get 78% worse. Yeah. Okay. Now we are being very conservative because I don't want to jinx the study. So we are asking for 50% better than placebo. That's 50% worse. But in our phase two, patients get better. Great. Okay. Well, I hope the same or better in uh, in phase three. We time will time will tell. Bob, on the on the on the ALS side, and I think about you know you you mentioned of course the ALS that the time for ALS patients is uh, is different than others. You, you can't wait out a two or three year pandemic, right? Once you had ALS, that's a, that's a significant portion of your uh, of your life expectancy. How has the that, that is your life expectancy? Is yeah. How has the the pandemic shape kind of patient advocacy in in ALS and are there things that other uh you know diseases can learn from the kind of the ALS advocacy community well, I don't think the pandemic has really shaped ALS advocacy that much frankly uh, I think the aduhelm approval did affect the ALS community because uh I'm not a disinterested party so please take these comments with uh, with that understanding but this is a tragedy right yeah uh, FDA approved a drug based on a biomarker that has never been shown to have any relationship to clinical effect ever. When I was at Roche, we had a drug called gantanarumab and we did PET studies. We did 10 PET studies. We looked for any evidence of, 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 of uh, amyloid beta lowering uh, based on PET to clinical effect. We couldn't see anything. So you're right. I mean, Maria's exactly right. Roche is gonna come out and say, we have, you know, we actually, gantanarumab lowers amyloid beta better than aducanumab uh, does. You know, we have better PET data than they do. So they're gonna apply for, you know, accelerated approval, why wouldn't they? I mean, it's 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 tragedy, frankly. And uh, you know, if uh, Medicare approves this drug, uh, the the country as a whole is going to be paying for this because this is you're talking about billions of dollars that are going to be wasted on on drugs that hurt people. So the problem with uh, these uh, monoclonal antibodies, amyloid beta, is amyloid beta is not just in the brain; it's in the blood vessels. And there is no such thing as an immunodirected therapy to amyloid beta that doesn't cause microhemorrhage or or encephalopathy. So you're taking people that are elderly that have dementia and you're just gonna give them microhemorrhage. It's really a tragedy. So again, I'm not a disinterested person. So, but those are my thoughts. As a neurologist, those are my thoughts. Um, but as far as ALS goes, until we find a biomarker that FDA says, you know, is uh, predictive of disease progression, whether or not it is or not, is a whole separate question. But if FDA believes it, then you could actually get accelerated approval based on a biomarker. But until that occurs in ALS, that's not gonna happen. So the, the JPM Healthcare Conference is, is coming up. Uh, JP Morgan itself has been a leader in terms of having people come back to the office. And I think they were pressing hard uh, to have the meeting be in person, uh, but then that quickly quickly fell apart. So I wanna ask, you know, what, what are you hoping to achieve at JP Morgan and how will having a, a virtual version of it uh, affect those plans? Actually, I wasn't expecting too much because we are kind of between in between things. I was updating people. I was going to see people like you that supposedly does go independent of everything being canceled. Yeah. I people I haven't seen in a long time. Basically, I was going to update people. I wasn't expecting any money. I wasn't expecting any, any uh, corporate uh, 
collaboration, we are between things. We need the FDA approval to go into phase three in Alzheimer's and in Parkinson's. We have enough money to do two, two studies, not four, one in Alzheimer's, one in Parkinson's. Once we have some data there, we're going to raise money to do the other two. The, and, and then we're going to start looking for partners. All right. How about for you, Bob? No, we're in essentially the same position. We have a phase two data in ALS, and we're going to go to have an end of phase two meeting with FDA in the spring of 2022. We'll discuss, you know, we're already in essentially a registrational study with the Healy ALS platform trial. It's fully enrolled. So we'll have data, we'll have phase two, we'll have registration enabling data by summertime next year. So we're in this weird position of being in phase two and phase three at the same time. Neither, neither study actually we paid for, so that was nice. Um, so uh, that's an unusual situation, but we do, we are going to have an end of phase two meeting uh, with FDA. To, to discuss the Healy uh, endpoints and discuss what, you know, how those data might support e either accelerated or, or full approval. Um, and then as far as the other diseases that we're going into, you know, we haven't even done phase two. Well, we're, we're in phase two in MS, but that's stopped essentially. Right. Because uh, we can't enroll patients. And then phase two in Parkinson's disease hasn't started yet. And we're also going to go phase two in progressive MS eventually. Um, so those are in the future. Clean is not really looking for partners, frankly. Um, we're already on the market in NASDAQ, and our plan is to essentially be an independent company uh, moving forward. Now, that being said, that takes money, and your stock price you know, matters a lot, and biotech's been hammered this year, so uh, that's a challenge, but uh, we're fully expecting that we will be able to be um, you know, essentially a standalone company. Great. Well, I'm glad we were at least able to do this uh, roundtable on CNS drug development. I uh, have learned a lot and am energized by uh, the programs that you are you are both doing. So I want to say thank you very much, Maria Mashakini, CEO and founder of Anovis, and Bob Glansman, Chief Medical Officer at Clean. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, David. Nice meeting you, Maria. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, President of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.